Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, believe it by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Blog Talk Radio. Hi, this is Russ Terry, founder and CEO of Life Coach Radio Network. Today's sponsor is Audible.com a leading provider of spoken audio entertainment and information. Listen to audiobooks whenever and wherever you want. Get a free audiobook when you sign up for a 30-day free trial at audibletrial.com slash lifecoachradio. That's audibletrial.com slash lifecoachradio. And now, here's today's show. Good morning. Welcome, Leapers. Uh, I'm Errol McLinden, Mindset and Project Coach out of Chicago, Illinois. Uh, if this is the first time you've joined me, uh, tell you a little bit about myself. I work with people who are working on long-term projects, usually a year, two years, three years, and keeping on track, keeping accountable, and in some instances, even changing projects midstream if new opportunities come available. Um, our show is about taking those leaps, and a leap can be anything. It can be changing a relationship, changing a job. It can be starting a business, uh, any number of things. So my clients include filmmakers, lavender farmers, uh, film producers, medical education people, a whole assortment of people. But the one thing that they all have in common is – they all reached a point in their life where they said, I believe there is more out there. And they stood at the edge of that cliff and they took a step. And that's what we're going to be talking about today is identifying the first steps. And before we get there, what we're going to talk about is identifying your cliff, identifying what your leap is. Then we'll talk about how do you take that first step how do you become accountable to friends and family around you? How do you explain the craziness that you're doing? And then finally, if we have time, and this is something I'm throwing into the program today because in the recent week, I've had four of my clients uh, reach a lull, and this is very normal, a, a period of inactivity. And I always know when it's happening because my clients always want to postpone our meetings which means they haven't done what they felt like they should do. So I want to address today in the final minutes of the program what to do with these lulls and how to accept them. They're normal. No one works at 100% on all six cylinders or eight cylinders uh, from the beginning of a project to the end. There are periods where it gets overwhelming, and that's a normal situation. So I want to spend a little time addressing that. This is an interactive program. So if you want to call in and make a comment, challenge me, tell me something that's happening in your life, your own personal cliff, or you're seeking your own personal cliff and you need some guidance on it, uh, the phone number to call in is 646-716-9397. When the phone answers, you push one. 
And if you are listening to this in the archives as a, as a digital file after the fact, and you do have questions, please send them to me at errol.maclinden at gmail.com. I'm also open to anyone who is interested in having on-air coaching. If you have a project in mind that you would be interested in pursuing or have a little guidance on, um, I do offer free coaching uh, to in initial consultations to anyone who may have a project or a challenge in mind. But I'll talk a little bit about that a little later. I want to get right into the show. Finding your cliff. This is the first step that I usually ha have to, uh, to approach and to conquer with clients. When I sit down with someone for the first time, my question to them always is, if time and money were no object, what would you be doing with your life? Almost everyone has a passion. A lot of times they ignore their passion, they deny their passion, they delay their passion. I'll do that someday. I'll do that when I get a better job. I'll do that when I retire. I'll do that when I get out of school. There are a number of ways of believing that you are going to pursue a dream, but a reality of it is those some days never happen. It takes a point in your life where you say to yourself, today is the day. A couple of my clients are out of work. That is an immediate opportunity to step off a cliff. It's a frightening feeling, and I understand that, especially if it's a surprise or you haven't put aside your three months of income in savings that we're supposed to have. So there's an initial emotional shock, a feeling of failure, a feeling of being set adrift, those feelings have to be honored. The normal knee-jerk reaction when you are out of work is to start applying for everything. And that's the worst possible thing you can do. When you lose a job or you quit a job, the next thing you should do is say, what do I dream of doing? You now have a blank canvas. You have unlimited time to pursue these things. So why not? So if time and money were no object, what would you be doing in your life? And that is your cliff. Now, in my experience, most people have very low cliffs. What I do with my clients and what I encourage each of you to do with yourself is ask, are you dreaming big enough? This is an opportunity for you to dream a dream. Many people dream a cliff or create a cliff that they feel like 
they might be able to do with a little effort. I ask people to build a cliff. They're not sure whether they can do or not. My mantra is big, dream big, dream. It's my mantra. Let me get this right. My mantra is dream, dream big, dream bigger. Is that all you got? I drive my clients crazy when I sit down with them and I say, what do you want to do? And they'll say something like, oh, I think I want to sell essential oils. And I'll say, what's bigger than that? What's bigger than that? What's bigger than that? What's bigger than that? Until we get to the point where they're saying, I have access to some land. I think I want to plant a lavender farm. So if I coach you, And I am, in essence, coaching you right now. So if you are sitting there listening to this and you have a dream, is it as big as it can be? Because if you're going to dream, if you're going to step off a 20-foot cliff, you might as well step off a 120-foot cliff. There's really no difference. And the measure that I use to find out is your cliff large enough is do you feel absolutely terrified pursuing it? If your fear isn't big enough, then you are staying in a very safe zone. I think I will go and work as a teaching assistant because that's safe. That's secure. I don't have to get a certificate. I don't have to go back to school, and I can work with kids. That's my primary objective. But if I take that example and I push that client to the where they want to run their own school program for preschoolers that has a science base where they aren't just playing with toys, but there is a curriculum And they want that also tied to animal rescue. So there is an animal component to it. That's huge. That requires not only certification, that requires licensing, that requires research. And someone walking into that should feel terrified. If you read any biographies or any blurbs about any of the great successes in the world. J.K. Rowling, uh, Sylvester Stallone, um, um, Bruce Springsteen is one. All of these come to mind. Steve Jobs. You will read that they all felt terror. No one just walked into their success with absolute confidence. You can't because from the top of the cliff, you cannot see the bottom. You cannot see the future. Anyone who sits there and tells you they're not terrified of that is lying. No one has that ability to step into the unknown and not feel it. What I ask you to do is embrace that terror, embrace that fear, because that fear is your guarantee that you are pushing for something that could be great. And that's what all of my clients are doing. They are doing things that are great. If I talk to someone and they won't push beyond a safe area, they don't need coaching. 
they can walk along on a safe path by themselves. I worked very briefly for a, a well-known coffee shop. I was on their manager's track. When you step into this coffee shop and you say to them, as an employee, and you say to them, I would like to manage a store, there are some very specific timeline and objectives that you need to hit and go on. You need to achieve step one, step two, step three, step four, all the way through. And if you do those, and I would venture that you don't even have to do those well. You just have to make those steps. You will be managing a store in two years. It's just a given. That's a very safe path. If you want that, email me and I will give you the coffee shop's name and you can go on that path. Most drugstores have a management path. Most hotels, motels, have a management path, and they are designed for the person who says, I want someone to take my hand and tell me what I have to do this month and next month and next month, and it's human nature. Do you know where we get that? We get that starting in high school and college where we sit down with a counselor and they say, you want this degree. This semester you take this, this semester you take this, and if you do all of these things, you will have that degree in three or four years. What if a student walked into a counselor and said, I don't want a degree. I want to create an IT startup. I want to create the next big thing in the field of virtual reality. A college counselor wouldn't even know how to approach that. What they would do is they'd fall back and say, well, you need an IT degree. So this semester you take this, this semester you take this. So I ask you to find your cliff, find your cliff and make it huge. And if it's big enough, you are going to feel the fear. Just take a brief step here to give out the phone number if anyone wants to call in, 646-716-9397. Press 1 when the phone answers. If you are listening as, as an archive, as a file on this, just send me an email, errol.maclinden at gmail.com with any questions, challenges. I welcome them. If I can't defend what I'm saying, I shouldn't be saying it. All right, let's get back to the edge of the cliff. The reason you feel fear is that you are looking at this goal, this dream, this passion as this huge, miraculous city of Oz on the horizon that's, that's tremendous. The thing I want to talk about now is how do you handle that? Now, we talked a little bit about gremlins, assumptions, how to fight fear as a fear uh, on a daily basis. But today I want to talk about the big fear. And, the, and what I want to do is talk to you about you're standing on the edge of the cliff. And this, this whole broadcast is going to be so metaphor-ridden, but hang with me on this. And the only thing you need to do to step off that cliff is take one step. 
You don't really have to leap. I know my program is called Leap, but you don't really have to leap. You just have to take one tiny step. I've paraphrased this quote many, many times. I love it, but it is from We Bought a Zoo. And it, in essence, says all it takes is 20 seconds of absolute insanity to get what you really want. And all that's saying is that in most cases, the very first step in a project takes about 20 seconds. Sending for an application, writing a letter of resignation, ordering a book on how to plant a lavender farm, putting together a resume. And granted, some of these take longer than 20 minutes, but in the case of writing a resume, maybe the very first step is finding a template of a resume you like. It won't take 20 seconds, but it won't take a couple of hours to do either. You're talking about sitting down for 15 minutes, looking through some websites with templates and finding one you like. That in itself is a first step. Not the third step, not the 20th step. There's a saying, how do you eat, how do you eat an elephant? One bite at a time. And this is exactly what I'm asking you to do if you do have this dream, this passion, this thing you would do if time and money were no object. Because honestly, time and money are no object. Because if you really want it, and you know why you want it, the how, the time, and the money will be figured out. When I first started coaching, I really wanted to work with actors, musicians, and artists. But there was a little voice in my head that says, actors, museums, and uh, musicians, and artists have no money. In America, the term starving artist, I am an actor. Uh, believe me, I know this from the inside out. And this little voice kept saying to me, go work with other groups because that group that you truly have a passion for working with, they have no money. So I went and worked with caregivers, nurses, doctors, uh, a lot of work with the transgender community. Very rewarding work, but I kept circling back to the actors. And it really hit home one day when my wife came to me and wanted to take a class. She's an actress as well. And the class was $450. And that really hammered home the fact that actors don't have money, but if they truly want something, they will find money for it. It won't be easy. But again, you don't have to have all the money at once. You're eating this elephant one step at a time. So here's the process that I go through and I suggest you go through. Really think about this huge dream, this beautiful, beautiful world that you are going to live in in a year 
two years, three years. Think about emotionally how you are going to feel. Feel the fear. Embrace it. Counter it with the excitement, the peace, the contentment, the fulfillment that you will feel on the other side of it. On the other side of fear is contentment. On the other side of fear is success. On the other side of fear is everything you want in your life. And those emotions are going to be stronger than that little bit of fear. Now, we're going to tiptoe off the cliff. When you're looking at this huge project, and this is good for even if you're in the project, think of what is the very first step I need to make to start this ball rolling. Now, someone's buying a house, they usually say to me, well, I've got to go look at houses. That's not the first step. Well, I've got I've to talk to a real estate agent. Not the first step. I've got to find a real estate agent. Translate that into a first step. I've got to sit down on my computer and look for a real estate agent. That's the first step. Or my friend John bought a house last year and had a real estate agent he loved. I've got to sit at my computer and email John to find out his real estate agent's name. That's the first step. If you want to be a filmmaker, maybe your first step is taking a class, but you've got the first step is sitting at your computer and figuring out where the class is you want to take or emailing someone who's had a class to find out was it good or bad. Or maybe you've decided that in order to be a filmmaker, you need to go to Columbia College. So now you have to go sit at your computer. Funny how first steps always start at the computer, isn't it? That's kind of sad. But you've got to sit at your computer and pull up Columbia College website and find out just what you need to do to apply there. First steps are tiny, but they are steps that say to you to you to your family, and to the world, I have taken my step off this cliff, and I am on my way toward this dream. Now, how do you make yourself accountable to family, friends, and the world once you've said this? Well, number one, people are going to start asking, but I ask you very strongly, and I think I've covered this in a previous show, to label yourself immediately with your new identity. If you're going to be a filmmaker, from the time you send in your first application, or even earlier, from the time you start looking at classes in filmmaking, you tell people that you introduce yourself to that you are a filmmaker. If you're writing a book, you tell people from the time you decide to write that book that you are an author, that you're an author. This immediately does something internally for you. You now are that person. You now believe you are that person. You are a teacher. 
You are a playwright. You are a medical educations person. You are a lavender farmer. But you tell people that even before anything exists. Because if you label yourself and believe it, it is going to happen. If you have a signature in your email, put it in your email. Put after your name that you are a filmmaker, you are a film producer, whatever it is. These are ways of being accountable to family, to friends, and the world. And at this point in time, at the very beginning, form a team of people. Now, some professions and and, uh, uh, pursuits automatically suggest a team. If you're starting a business and are going to hire people or you are going to be an independent entrepreneur, but you need people with expertise to do your website, to do your uh, marketing, to – these are people that are automatically going to become your team. But start thinking in terms of a team, even if you're an independent entrepreneur. You want people around you who support you and believe you are who you say you are. They don't have to work for you. They can be friends. They don't have to be friends. I call this an anabolic team. Anabolic is a term I use with my clients because anabolic is positive energy that supports you in your pursuits. Catabolic are the naysayers. Pull away from them. Now, you don't have to ignore them. You don't have to, if someone says, are you serious? You're going to be a filmmaker? Seriously? You don't have to wipe them out of your life. You can't give them the power to make you believe what they believe. What do you believe? You believe in yourself. You believe in your dream. You hang on to that dream. There are going to be moments, and this is the thing I want to do at the end of the show, where things aren't folding together as quickly as you would like them to. That is a given. If you go from point A to point Z and you never have a failure and you never have any stumbles or roadblocks, your dream isn't big enough. You're at the coffee shop. You're at the drugstore. You're in a college program that's going to say, we're going to keep you nice and safe because hundreds of other people have gone along this path, and we've, we've mapped this out for you. And if you follow this path, you will succeed. That's nice, and it's safe, and it guarantees success, and we absolutely crave that. We are brought through college with that in mind. Get with a good company. Move up through the ranks. And they will take care of you. And in your old age, you will have a pension and you will have insurance. But will you have pure joy? Will you have your passion? So it's a trade-off. The cliff isn't for everyone, and I'm not trying to make it for everyone. But you will know if a cliff is right for you because when you think of that dream, when you think of that passion, when you think of what could be in your life, You feel a heat in your heart. You feel uh, an excitement. You feel an anxiety because you can't wait to have that possibility. It could be a negative push. 
You could be in a situation that is so miserable that your heart is dying, and you know that there is a way out there for you to get the other extreme. You are the people that need a cliff. If you know that you will never be satisfied with mediocre. I know I've told this story before, but you're going to have to hear this on these broadcasts because they're very dear to me. My grandfather was an amazing man. He was a performer. He was funny. He could have been in vaudeville. He could have been on Broadway. He sang. He danced. Uh, my fondest memories were of him at parties wearing frilly little panties on his head, little ladies' underwear, and singing dirty songs. He was the life of the party. He was brought up in a very strict Baptist household. In fact, his father was a minister. Broadway vaudeville was the devil's playground. That was absolutely not an option for him. But if I heard it once, I heard it a hundred times. I'm named after him. Errol, you should have been on Broadway. Errol, you could have been a star. You could have been in the movies. Errol, you could have done this. Now I'm talking about my grandfather, Errol. And I came up through the ranks hearing that. And I was proud of the fact that people thought that of him. But as I got older and got into school and started seeing the patterns, the thing that made me rebel and say, no, I don't want to get a teaching degree in college. I don't want to get a speech degree as I was being pushed toward. I want a theater degree was I never wanted to reach the end of my life and have people say, Errol, me, Errol, you could have been an actor. Errol, you should have been on stage. Errol, you should have been in the movies. I wanted to make a go of it. I would much rather come to the end of my life and say, hey, I tried and it didn't work out. But no one ever said I could have or should have. And that's the thing that I wish for every one of my clients and potential clients is that glorious feeling of not having to settle, not having to sit back in a desk job or sit back in a school job or sit back in a retail job and every day say to yourself, I could start a business. I should go and paint. I could be doing music at clubs at night. These are things that 90% of the public do. My clients are the 10%. My clients are the people who are determined not to be that 90% who sit there and say, I should have, I could have, I wish I had. My clients, every one of them, will be people in two or three years who say, I did this. I am pursuing my passion. And again, I'm not promising it's a smooth path. If it's a smooth path, you're not doing it right. 
I'm Errol McLendon. This is Leap Radio. Just take a moment to, if there are any call-in guests who would like to call in, the number is 646-716-9397. And press 1 when it answers. If you're listening to this digitally, I welcome comments, questions. Uh, If you would like to come onto the show and be a part of talking about your passion or be coached along your path, uh, I welcome that too. Uh, just send me an email at errol.mclinden at gmail.com. So I think I have beaten this enough with the whole idea of, of doing this, making the leap. I'm passionate about this because I have two types of people that I talk to. I have people who express their passion and decide not to go for it. And I can only hope and wish and pray that in a few months they come back to me and say, hey, I I really want to go for this now. But it hurts me when they walk away. And then I have a select group of clients, about eight clients, who have committed to take a step off the cliff. So let's talk about eating that elephant. One thing that I go, I live by passionately, and I give these books out 10, 10, 20, 30 at a time, uh, getting things done. And I just went blank as to the author's name, but you can get it at Amazon.com. Used books are great. It's an older edition. You don't need to spend a lot of money on it, but it's the most brilliant approach to dealing with big projects. It's the most brilliant approach to dealing with everyday life. One of the things that I talk to with my clients many, many times is, We're looking at this one big project, and that's great, but are you keeping the rest of your life in balance? There are eight areas of life. They include friendships, relationships, both friends and passionate relationships, finances. Fun is a category that people often overlook. If you take two or three years and you focus on just one aspect of your life, that's going to be successful but the rest of your life is going to be going down the tubes because you've ignored it. So one thing that we, we talk about, uh, when I talk to my relationship clients uh, that are primarily working on their relationships, I'm very conscious of what their passions and goals are outside of the relationships. It may be to start a ministry. It may be to start a nonprofit for uh, anti-gun violence. Uh, these are real things of people that I'm working for whose primary goal is relationship work, but – they have a bigger life outside of that. So when you sit down and you've got this brand new project, I always ask my clients to make a project list. And these are big things. Write a book. Make a film. Start a business. But some of their other aspects of their life. Uh, build up savings account. Spend more time with friends. Uh, spend more time alone, things of this sort. So you've got this list. Mine fills an entire page and five extra lines at this point of projects. That is not my to-do list. Every week, and you can do this weekly, daily, biweekly, whatever works for you, I sit down and I look at each project and I say to myself, what is the very next step that I need to do on that project? 
And I don't have to do all 30 projects. I can choose each week. I can choose maybe to work on four or five projects. I may choose 10. Depends on how much time I have during the week. And I sit down with my weekly calendar and I put the next steps on those days, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. My to-do list are never more than seven, eight things long. And they consist primarily of the next steps for every, all of these bigger projects. This does two things. At the end of each day, my to-do list is totally crossed off. I feel so successful. I had a client who used to have a 30-item to-do list every day, and they would do six things on the list and move 24 of them to the next day. That's automatically immediately saying to you, I got six things done, but I failed at 24. Psychologically, just sitting down and rewriting that list feels like a failure. Not only that, but you're having to look at each of those items over and over and over again. And every time you look at those items and write them down, it becomes more of a feeling of inadequacy, of not being able to do what you were supposed to do on those things. This way you sit down with this, these big projects at the beginning of the list. You write the things, the next steps down on your to-dos for each day, and each day you write, wipe those off. Now, this also, this system also has a waiting list. There's no need if you've made a call to somebody or you've sent an email and you can't move forward on that project until that email is responded to, put it on a waiting list. Put a date by it when you want to move it back onto a to-do list. But there's no reason for you to keep it on a to-do list waiting on someone else. Your to-do lists are absolutely the things you are going to do today, Monday. And then tomorrow, uh, you've got a Tuesday list with the things you are going to do on Tuesday. Anything that has a deadline or a specific date to it, then that goes on your calendar. It doesn't go on a to-do list. So that every day you look at your calendar, you look at what your scheduled days are, you see where your spare time is between the nooks and crannies, and you start doing your, your next available. This is a brilliant way of working. It really does knock things out. What I found with my clients is if they will work this way, they achieve their goals in half the time. I probably said this, but I hate five-year goals. Ten-year goals are absolutely ludicrous. They have no place in real life at all. And this should lead nicely into the lull information. The reason five-year, a lot of people, the, the old-fashioned way of, of setting up a project is, okay, I want this project. What's my five-year goal on it? Make it measurable. Make it a quantity so you know when you've achieved it. So to reach that five-year goal, what do I need to get to in three years? What I need to get to in a year. Where do I need to be in six months, three months, one month, one week? What do I need to get done today to be where I need to be in a week, to be where I need to be in a month, to be where I need to be in a year, to be where I need to be in three years, to be where I need to achieve that goal in five years? Number one, we don't have the capacity for taking a huge project like that 
and trying to guess at these midpoints where we should be. Things change too rapidly. Working from the other direction is every day I'm going to do this tiny thing and this next tiny thing and this next tiny thing. That three-year goal, you're going to look up in a year and a half and you're going to have achieved it because steady progress in tiny bites. In a year and a half, you will have eaten the elephant that is going to take anyone else or that you may have believed in your mind would have taken three to five years to eat. I see this work every day. Almost without fail, I meet with clients every two weeks. They sit down with me, and every now and then they'll stay, say, I didn't get much done this week. My question, my statement to them is, okay, tell me what you got done. Because I always start out asking what went well and what could have gone better. And I always ask the what could have gone better last because people come into coaching sessions focusing on the negative. I want to immediately say, what did you do? What did you get accomplished? And usually for the next 10 or 15 minutes, people are telling me all the things they got done on this session where they started with the words, I didn't get much done this week. The reason is they're doing it every day, progress, not perfection. They're moving forward every day so that they're not aware of the cumulative effect. And I even have them at the end of that say the words, wow, I got a lot more done than I thought I did because you're doing it tiny, tiny steps at a time. Expand that over a month, three months, six months, a year, and the surprise will magnify as well because you're going to say, wow, I have a business now, and I never thought I would have it in a year, but doing these small steps. The other thing that working from the present to the future as opposed to the other way does is that I ask my clients to reassess every 13 weeks. I just kind of, I don't formally do it, but I will just informally state, are you still working toward the same objective? Is it still important to you? And the reason I ask that is a lot can happen in 13 weeks. And maybe they no longer want to pursue this dream. Maybe something has come into their environment, a different offer, that will give them the same excitement that the original dream would have. And they can change. There's nothing wrong with changing. The only thing I encourage is that you have a replacement that is going to give you the same emotional fulfillment as the original dream. If someone is starting their own art business and marketing it to museums and uh, sporting events around town, and they come into me after 13 weeks and say, you know, I've decided to go work at Kmart, I know that is not going to give them the same emotional fulfillment as running their own art business and expressing themselves through their art. So I'm going to challenge that 
But if that same person comes to me and says, I met someone who does this type of art, and they've already got an established business and a, a gallery downtown, and they want me to come in as a partner, oh, my goodness, yes. Yes, that's not saying you failed at your dream. It said you found an easier way to your dream. The last little segment I want to talk about is this law, these, these things that in, are inevitable. And this wasn't originally part of the program, so I'm going to do a quick list and see what I'm missing from this program. But I do, do want to get this in because it just fell into my, uh, my consciousness this week, or the last few weeks. Uh, again, my call-in number is 646-716-9397. Hit 1 if you want to talk to me. If you're, you want to send me comments, questions to appear on the show for live coaching, or if you have your own uh, business, if you're one of my coaching clients and would like to be a guest to talk about your trip, your journey, your, your leap off the cliff, um, get in touch with me at errolmclinden.com. Uh, no, it's not. Errol.MacLinden at gmail.com. Don't send it to the other one. I don't know where it'll go. Errol.MacLinden at gmail.com. And I will get back with you through email. I encourage you to get in touch with me. I love talking to people. I will not try and sell you anything. Or, or I don't have books. I don't have CDs to sell. Uh, but I genuinely enjoy hearing about people's dreams and their journeys and helping them over little stumbling blocks. It's inevitable. All right. So let's get down to these down periods. In the last month, almost every client that I started with about 13 to 16 weeks ago has hit this lull. One client calls it white noise because they didn't achieve what they wanted to in one respect. They had a crowdsourcing for a project that didn't make and they went into a downtime. I have a person who is working toward an education project, but went through some personal shifts and transitions, not bad things, just, just changes, and had some personal friend things going on with people leaving town that they – downtime. It, it just really hit. Bing, 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 bing. And in each case, I embrace and applaud that downtime. When things aren't going well, you don't have to immediately get back on the horse. You can take time if things didn't work out to grieve. Now, here's the exception. If you've got a deadline, if you've got a project that needs to be due, or you are coming up with a period in time where Hiring is being done for a school year or for us for the beginning of the year, and you know that you're going to have to shop, sh uh, shorten that time and get back out there. But if you need time to, and I've heard binge watch TV, I've heard play video games, I've heard just sit quietly and listen to the white noise. We're not robots. We need that. When disappointments happen, when stumbling blocks happen, we need time to drink that in. We're not supermen or women. And I understand that. And, and I ask my clients, to, who are always rougher on themselves than I am, to be kind to yourself. 
acknowledge that. If you need a weekend of watching binge TV, bless you, do it. If you need to play Angry Birds or, or whatever it is for the for the next six days, do it. If if that gets you back in the mind. But what I also say to them is during that downtime. Let your mind wander. Let your mind feed information to you about other possibilities. Don't make it be just stagnant time. And this has actually worked very well because the person whose crowdsourcing project didn't work out revamped the entire structure of the project. Number one, it's like a tenth of the cost, and there's a lot more uh, possibilities of people desiring it out there because of the new structure. So downtime is inevitable. Historically, I've seen it happen at about the 13 to 16 week mark, three to four months into a project, four to five, somewhere around in there. If you've been going gangbusters, even if everything's clicking, everything's hitting, you are going to get a little bit of burnout. You need to take time for yourself. As entrepreneurs, as driven people, that's probably our biggest faults is we forget. A lot of times we don't have normal weekends. We work seven days a week. And then we wonder why we're exhausted suddenly after three months or why we are showing signs of physical illness after three months or why we just feel a lack of motivation after three months. It's because we haven't had those two days at the end of the week to reboot, to regroup and sometimes we've got to take those in bigger chunks now during this time downtime you are most susceptible to walking away why did I do this this is stupid this is way over my head I can't do this anymore. I think I'll just go back and get a desk job. Cubicles aren't that bad. There's places to hang your pictures. I can have coffee at my desk. I don't have to go buy it. It's right there in the break room. That's pretty nice. As a coach, I will always honor your choice. And if that really is your choice, I will honor it. I may challenge it. But if you say that's what you want to do, you've decided it is, I will honor it. And I will applaud you and I will offer you all my support in any way I can to help you move toward that, that goal. What I won't applaud is I'm just giving it up. If you give up something with me, you have to tell me what you want to go to. And if you come into me and you find something that you want to go to, Again, I'll support it. But by doing that a lot of times, what happens is that someone will be really discouraged and hit this downtime, and they will say, I'm just giving it all up. And by me saying to them, you have got to tell me something that you're going to, something that you're moving toward before you give this up. And what happens a lot of times is they come back to me with a modification of the dream, just like in the case of the crowdsourcing. It had one face on it. It didn't work. Several weeks of white noise, reconstructuring. Reconstructuring? It's got to be a word. If it's not, we just made one. Reconstructuring. 
and what evolved and they came back with, rather than just giving the project up, which was an initial instinct, was the same project in a different form, less expensive, easier to manage because it's in bits and pieces, and a, a brand new excitement for it. Same is true with my education person. Uh, haven't heard what they're going toward yet, but I refuse to let her give up because she was just giving up because it had been rough. She is not giving it up because there's something to go to. So that's the only thing where I become a real hard-nosed coach is you can't give something up unless I know where you're going. And I don't have to approve of it. I don't have to think it's a good idea. If you think it's a good idea, I support you. But So that's where I sit with this. And again, I have seen it with four clients over this last few weeks, and they all started with me about the same time. So to wrap up, I just want to tell you that you each each of you are very absolutely capable of anything. Don't choose small. When you think about your life to this point, think back of all the things you've ever dreamed of doing. They often get buried in the past, they get denied, they get you forget to hear them because voices of other people saying, are you crazy? That'll never work. You're too, you're too uh, young for that. You're too old for that. You, you, you're too flighty. You, you'll never build a business as crazy as you are. Or you've got voices from fathers, parents, teachers saying, go get a good job. Work 30 years. Get your pension. Get your retirement. company will take care of you. Don't get me wrong. If that's your chosen path and you're happy with it, that's great. Different strokes for different folks. But who I'm speaking to are the people who think back from this point in their life and somewhere they wanted to be an artist, somewhere they wanted to be a musician, somewhere they wanted to start a, a luxury car dealership, somewhere they wanted to be a filmmaker, somewhere along the way they really wanted to teach preschool kids. They wanted to work with rescue animals. They wanted to work with a nonprofit against gun violence. People who really want to do things that make a difference in this world. If you have the kernel, the smallest seed of one of those dreams, pursue it every day that ticks by is a wasted day because every single day you can be doing tiny things to bring that dream closer. Every day you don't commit to it, you've wasted the opportunity to do the first step and the next step and the next step that will lead you to success. So, Identify the dream. Feel the fear. The bigger the fear, the more correct that dream is for you. Dream, dream big, dream bigger, 
Is that all you got? Make it huge. Then step to the edge of the cliff. Hang your toes over the edge. And just take one step forward. Do the first actionable item that says to you that you have done it. Make it known to the world, friends, family. Surround yourself with a support team, an anabolic team. And work every single day toward that goal. And you will get there. I'm Errol McLinden. I am the project and mindset coach. The name of my program is Leap. It comes from my belief that you should leap and grow your wings on the way down. You can't stand on that cliff and see the future, so you got to get closer to it. only way to do that is take that step. I want to let you know that I am here every other Monday at 11 o'clock Central Time. The, the major topic will always be the same about leaping off the cliff. I also offer, uh, and again, I invite you to email me if you'd like to be on the show. You have questions. You have projects that you're, you're needing some guidance on. Uh, outside, I'll be glad to coach on air or talk to you about your project or your path or your journey. I welcome that. But I also offer two hours of free coaching to anyone who believes they have a valid project. Again, I won't upsell. I won't try and take your money. I just love hearing various projects. It also gives me resources. I might know someone who would partner very well with you in some sort of joint venture. So the more people I talk to, the more combinations are possible. Um, But if you are interested in that, we can do it over the phone, over Skype. If you're in the Chicago area, we can meet face-to-face. Uh, at one of those coffee shops that have those great programs for building managers. Uh, And I would love talking to people about that. Again, two hours of free coaching, no charge, no upsell, just so I can learn where you are and help guide you further along the path. I encourage you to listen tomorrow on the station at 12 o'clock Central Time, um, um, the program of Your Energy and How You Show Up, a great program about your identity to yourself and to others uh, based on your energy choices. My training with IPEC coaching is very much to do with the energy levels. Uh, So I'm going to listen to that program myself and see how that all ties in. Again, thank you so much for joining me today, giving me an hour of your time. It's always such a pleasure talking to everyone and letting you, uh, uh, letting me, express things that I'm very passionate about, and hopefully those things will move you forward on your path. Thanks again. Have a lovely week. Enjoy the weather wherever you are, and I will see you in two weeks. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, We've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? 
No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.